From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. A new report on the health effects of electronic cigarettes says that while e-cigarettes may be less harmful than conventional cigarettes, they're not harmless, and their use among, among youth increases the risk of transitioning to smoking traditional cigarettes. Here to discuss this trend are two people from the Upstate New York Poison Center, Administrative Director Michelle Kaliva and Public Education Coordinator Lee Livermore. Welcome to you both. Welcome. Thank Thank you. you. So this new report from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, um, which was sponsored by the Food and Drug Administration, says that to take a comprehensive look at evidence on the human health effects of e-cigarettes. So what were the findings that were most relevant, Lee? Well, they looked at uh, all of the published articles that they could find, and they did their analysis from there. So they identified what were some of the significant trends uh, that you had mentioned, that uh, e-cigarette devices are gaining in popularity, uh, especially with youth, uh, so middle school, high school teenagers. And uh, that equals to roughly about 20% Um, on average of teenagers in high school have stated that they've either tried or use uh, an electronic device. Wow, okay. Um, And then what about in terms of, are there adults using these too? Yes, there's uh, adults using them. Uh, What was really interesting is that the electronic device was developed in 2007 by a pharmacist in Beijing, China. And around 2010, roughly, was when first data started to be uh, collected on these devices. And originally, it was uh, promoted as a substitute for combustible tobacco products. So it was sold as a safer alternative uh, for someone who was looking to quit traditional tobacco products. Oh, so it meant to be sort of a bridge to being able to get off cigarettes. Well, that was the initial promotion Uh, on them. It's sort of the opposite now? If we look at the development, uh, once the product has hit the market, there's been so many different uh, versions of the devices that have been created. And and so to help add some clarity that uh, scientifically they refer to them as ENDS, E-N-D-S, which is an electronic nicotine delivery system. And uh, most people know them as e-cigs, uh, hookahs, or vaping devices. So do they look like cigarettes? Are they little wands or what what do they look like? In the beginning they did. They actually mirrored the style of a cigarette and they had a non-refillable cartridge that contained your nicotine, your e-juice in there along with a battery, a heating device that you would heat up to create a vapor, a mist that people would uh, breathe in. So obviously you don't light them with a match. Since they're battery operated, you just turn them on when you're ready to use them? Or Yeah, some of them are very uh, interesting because you would have to hold a button to ignite the or charge the battery, whereas now some of them actually will activate the moment you draw on the device. And since the very original, the simple style of the devices, they have um, grown in styles and shapes so that they even look like cigars or some of the newer versions today um, are looking like flash drive devices or even inhalers. 
the medical inhalers for like asthma or something. Exactly. So are they done to, to be clever like that or to just be incognito and hide them from authority or? I think it's uh, to be deceptive. Okay. And, and so if you're uh, using it to hide it, because a lot of the laws are following traditional uh, rulings with vaping devices as they do with tobacco products. So um, a trend that's popular with kids is to use these devices, but uh, school districts are concerned that they're using them on campus or actually in the classrooms. So they're, they do follow the um, tobacco use laws in the state, though. Yes. They're supposed to anyway. Yes. So, um, Michelle, you were mentioning um, some of these devices, and the, the flavorings that go in can be a dangerous thing, right? Right. They're, they actually contain the nicotine, and, but they're also flavored with you know, blueberry or some pleasant scent. Um, that could be potentially eye-catching to children. So we worry about the small child that, that gets into it, picks it up, and, and drinks the liquid component of it. Nicotine is very toxic to, to children. It takes very little. It takes a taste of it, and they can actually, um, their heart rate can drop, their blood pressure can drop, they can go into cardiovascular collapse and, and die from it. And there have been cases where small children have... Um, drank the liquid and have died. So we're very concerned from that perspective. So in terms of the cartridges being left around or even the devices. Right, maybe. and they're not safety sealed. So okay. it's, you know, and again, eye-catching to a small child. Now what about um, drug use? Can these uh, elements or these devices be used for drugs instead of nicotine? And yeah, that's disconcerting too. So, um, you know, let's say, for example, it's okay to use um, these e-cigs in your home and, you you know, you don't mind that your teenager is is using the nicotine. Well, again, Lee's were deceptive. They can also be filled with other things, and they are. So we know that some of the synthetic products are being put into, and some of the, even the opioid-like products can be put into these devices and inhaled. So again, you can have significant, um, significant toxicity as well as, you know, being hooked on these various drugs. Oh, interesting. Any chemical that uh, can be converted into uh, an oil or a liquid using these devices um, can then pose a particular problem. Also, the devices are designed in some cases to actually burn plant-like materials. So marijuana can be ground up very, very finely and used in these devices. So the, um, the marketing on them are actually pretty admirable, um, that they're actually designing certain devices for certain products to be consumed. So whether it is a plant-like material or it's an oil or a liquid or even a more thicker uh, material, they're covering every base out there. Wow. Um, this is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with two people from the Upstate New York Poison Center, Administrative Director Michelle Kaliva and Public Education Coordinator Lee Livermore. Um, so how can we compare the two habits of cigarette smoking and vaping? How, how do they compare? Are, are more people vaping than smoking, or do we know? I don't have the data on that yet. Uh, if we look at, again, how the products are marketed, that uh, to 
help somebody transition away from combustionable tobacco products. Uh, the e-cigarettes or vaping devices are definitely marketed that way. Um, however, uh, with uh, tobacco products, you have over 7,000 different chemicals in it, as to which we know are carcinogenic. Um, in the vaping devices, there can be less number of chemicals. However, um, some people are um, fooled because the product will say contains no nicotine. And in the report that you cited, they actually had looked at some studies where they had tested the liquid that said no nicotine in it, and there was actually nicotine in it. So behaviorally, it's people are getting nicotine, which is a stimulant, and they're getting used to that. And then if you look at the normal behavior of smoking and the repeatability of it, vaping devices actually made it easier. I've seen people carry them on a lanyard around their neck and just pick it up and take a draw and then drop it. So the convenience and also the mindlessness of the behavior is prompting more of the habitual um, desire for the product. Because you don't have to uh, finish the whole cigarette. You can just... Now, how does it price compare? I mean, because cigarettes are pretty expensive, but... Sure. Um, it varies depending on which device that you want to use. So some people are of the mindset that it's cheaper. And so you could, like I say, get a self-contained unit. You can get units that have refillable cartridges or the great big ones that they call tanks. And so you have this very large supply of e-liquid, which allows someone to take longer and deeper breaths of it. So a traditional tobacco cigarette might have upwards of 30 milligrams of nicotine, whereas in these other devices, it might be lower of 21 milligrams of nicotine. However, if you're using it more frequently and also at higher and deeper rates, then you're actually getting a higher level of nicotine into your system. The addictive component of this can't be underestimated. So again, as Lee said, it may be marketed as being nicotine-free, but but there are there is nicotine in it, and even at that small small amount, the addictive properties are still there. So it, can we say whether one is safer than the other? I mean, it seems like there's risks for each. Absolutely, and that was one of the conclusions of the report. Uh, that uh, you had mentioned earlier in the show is that um, it may be less harmful. However, it by no means is harmless or safer because you're still consuming chemicals into the human body. What I like to promote in our education programs at the Poison Center is that every cell in the human body needs three things. It needs water, oxygen, and nutrition. And anytime you're substituting and displacing any one of those, it doesn't just go to a particular area. It goes to every part of the human body. So where some people are vaping, they're misunderstanding or misinformed, thinking it's just a mist, but it is a delivery of chemicals that are being heated up and converted and then spread throughout the entire body. And that doesn't sound very healthy, really. <laughs> now, but what about um, secondhand smoke? I mean, it's not smoke from the vaping device, really. It's mist or whatever. Sure. Uh, they're doing studies on that right now. 
Um, however, if you consider it in, in comparison with tobacco products, even though you're breathing it in and retaining some chemicals, um, it has been proven secondhand smoke with tobacco products is as harmful as the product itself. So it has the same impact. One of the disguising factors of this is, is the flavoring and the smells. And so somebody doesn't smell the same combustion that you have with a tobacco product, and so they're less aware of how really harmful the product is. Interesting. Well, um, I wanted to ask you about the issues that the Poison Center is hearing from school districts in central New York. Um, some of what I've seen is that there's a concern that the use of these vaping devices has grown 900 percent from 2011 to 2015. That's just unfathomable, really. Are you seeing that? Are kids using them that much more? Um, locally, it's becoming more known, and I think it's because of the deceptive nature of the product that uh, by uh, having it appear to be a flash drive or an inhalation device, uh, uh, it's just lending to, oh, I can get away with this. And uh, Michelle is certainly well-versed on teenage behavior. Well, you know that risky that, that that risky behavior is right there. I mean, they're they're going to take a chance with it. If you're inclined to to smoke and you you can't on campus, boy, this is a way to 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 bring it in and and you know kind of have that thrill of of maybe um, not letting the teacher know what's going on or even your 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 friends know. So that whole piece is there. But in in addition to that, we find and we hear many many times from school districts that. A lot of these kinds of behaviors are taking place. So whether it's the e-cigs, or whether they're inhaling products, or whether they're using any of the synthetic agents, you know, if you can do it in school, or if you're drinking alcohol, if you can do it in school and you can conceal it and get away with it, that just adds to the whole allure and fun, and the adrenaline rush that you get with it. But Lee has been getting an increased number of requests from the schools to come in and do programs and. We don't often hear from schools asking for programs. So to me, that's a strong indication that there's a problem and that there's an issue. Well, and I'm assuming there's peer pressure tied up in this too, like there is for all sorts of... Yeah, it it can follow um, any of the teenage behaviors that uh, people, one of our most basic nature desires is to belong. And so especially in the teenage uh, period as to whether you want to belong to a particular group and you want to seem adventuresome. And so it's very easy to fall into it and then to think that it's benign. And um, I tend to think that most people, staff and students in schools, are grappling with the problem and trying to get an understanding so that they can come up with their own policies as to how they'll handle it. Good. You're a great resource for that. Well, thank you so much for the information. My guests have been Administrative Director Michelle Kaliva and Public Education Coordinator Lee Livermore from the Upstate New York Poison Center. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.